Hey everyone, I'm Nate Vinio, and this is Something to Gnaw On, a short podcast for those with a short attention span or just short on time, designed to give you something to mentally or spiritually chew on throughout your day, a Bible study in bite-sized form, if you will. And today, it may look a bit more like my journal. This episode is Bears and Grandmas, a couple thoughts on prayer. What were you thinking? I doubt you were even thinking. Those are the sentiments I elicited from my parents on many occasions. And I assure you, most likely, they didn't want to know the answer. There's a laundry list of stupidity from my youth that triggered that response. But there are also a few of those episodes where the circumstances were way outside of my control. I spent the summer of 94 in Alaska on Project, a summer program with Campus Crusade for Christ. One Thursday after work, in mid-August, when the sun finally goes down for a few hours, five or six of us jumped in a van and drove down to the Kenai River and fished all night for salmon. Yes, all night, and then back to work the next morning. When you're 20, you can do stupid stuff like that and get away with it, for the most part. That part of the river is known for what is called combat fishing. The salmon run is so plentiful that people line the shore and stand about an arm's distance apart. The beauty of fishing when the sun goes down is that most people leave and you have the latitude to fish wherever you want. Strangely enough, we weren't catching any fish until my friend Bobby got snagged. Two weird things happened. Bobby messed up his reel so bad that he spent the rest of the night working on it. And in the process of using his flashlight... The light hit the water and revealed that the fish had been swimming behind us the whole time. We had waded out too far. Thanks to Bobby, we solved the catching problem by stepping three to four steps back, but Bobby was out of commission for the rest of the evening. We all limited out that night. Three sockeye salmon apiece. Except for Bobby. The time came to leave and we began the trek back to the van. At least a quarter mile, if not a bit more. On the way, we stopped at the confluence of the Kenai and Russian rivers to clean out the salmon. Back then, they had a crudely made table on the river's edge so that you could toss the guts back into the river. I believe that for the most part, it's a better way to keep bear and human interaction down by not having trash cans full of guts as a lure for bears. Anyhow, we gutted 15 salmon there and hiked the final stretch to the van in the dark along a trail lined with tall brush each of us carrying three freshly gutted salmon on stringers. Well, all except for Bobby. As I tell this story, some of you may be thinking, what were you thinking? And the truth of the matter is we weren't. We were too busy having fun catching fish. Well, all except for Bobby. We got to the van, and I don't know if the guy was a park ranger or just a park attendant of sorts, but he looked official. Anyhow, he approached us and asked us if we'd seen a bear. We simply stated that we hadn't and began to brag about our catch. He pointed to the red taillights pulling out on the highway headed south to Soldatna and informed us that a man had just been mauled and they were running him to the hospital. The gentleman went on to say that the attack occurred near the gutting table I previously mentioned, most likely just before we got there. Whether it was the noise of the flowing river or the highway in the distance or our general distraction with our own catch, we didn't hear a thing. The next day, I remember calling my mom and dad and telling them of the incident. I'm pretty sure I left out enough detail to keep them from saying, 
What were you thinking? Fishing like that. But we all agreed, and we're grateful that God had his hand on us, protecting us in the midst of what could have been an absolute disaster. About a week later, Grandma Olson approached my dad at church with a bit of angst. Now, to be clear, Grandma Olson is not my grandma. She's everyone's grandma. I met Grandma Olson when she was in her late 80s when we moved to Montana. She was a frail, five-foot-tall prayer warrior, hunched over, always walking with a cane or a walker or hanging on to somebody's arm until eventually it had to be a wheelchair. Externally, Grandma Olson was not the picture of a battle-tested warrior. But spiritually, she was a seasoned Navy SEAL. When Grandma prayed, things happened. God moved and lives were changed. I promise you that if you went to Missoula, Montana right now, you'd find hundreds who are either directly or indirectly impacted by our prayers. And by that, I mean that there are those who were affected directly and their family members were impacted as a direct result. It was this same Grandma Olson that approached my dad and said, what is going on with Nathan? As they talked, she began to tell my dad that God had woken her up in the middle of the night earlier in the week, telling her to pray for me, that I was in danger, and pray she did. I suspect that if Grandma Olson was caught sleeping through the day, there's a reasonable likelihood that she had been praying through the night. They compared notes, and sure enough, it corresponded to my time on the Kenai River. Grandma Olson constantly reminded me that she was praying for me. She would confess that she didn't pray for everyone, but any time, any time God put someone on her heart, she would intercede for them. She would confess that she didn't always know what to pray, but she would pray the best she could and as the Spirit would lead. I remember one of our last conversations. It happened on a trip back to Montana. I was only there for a short time. Her eyesight was fading, and she was in a wheelchair at the time, but she heard I was there and sent someone to find me. I sat with her, holding my hand. She began to talk of all the times she prayed for me, how God had put me on her heart when we first started going to church there. There was a simplicity to her and a purity, a humility that seemed so counterintuitive to what this world would think of as a prayer warrior. But as I and hundreds of others can attest, she was a mighty pillar in the church, a powerful warrior in prayer. As we wrapped up our conversation, she expressed the Apostle Paul's dilemma to me from Philippians 1, 21 through 24 in the Amplified Version. For to me, to live is Christ. He is my source of joy, my reason to live. And to die is gain, for I will be with him in eternity. If, however... It is to be life here, and I'm to go on living. This will mean useful and productive service for me. So I do not know which to choose if I'm given that choice. But I'm hard-pressed between the two. I have the desire to leave this world and be with Christ, for that is far, far better. Yet to remain in my body is more necessary and essential for your sake. Again, Philippians 1, 21-24 in the Amplified. She longed for heaven, and at the same time reaffirmed her commitment that as long as she was here on earth, she would spend her time praying, praying for knuckleheads like me, and maybe wondering, what was he thinking? 
every time God put me on her heart and on her mind to pray. There is so much more to be studied with regard to prayer, and it can't be done in one 15-minute podcast. Maybe several, but certainly not one. That said, for today, just let me offer a couple of brief thoughts on prayer. First off, let me say this. In its simplest form, prayer is simply talking with God. It's not a one-sided conversation where we verbally vomit all of our thoughts and problems before the Lord and walk away. It's like any conversation. There's a time to speak, and there's a time to listen. While every book in the New Testament contains instruction about prayer or examples of prayer, Paul shares a couple of bedrock foundational principles on the matter. 1 Thessalonians 5:16 through 18 in the Amplified, Paul makes the following instruction. Rejoice always and delight in your faith. Be unceasing and persistent in your prayer. In every situation, no matter what the circumstance, be thankful and continually give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. This theme is reiterated in Philippians 4, 4-7, through 7, where Paul emphasizes rejoicing, praying about everything. He also uses the word petition in verse 6, which would move from a more conversational prayer to a more of a legal argument where you make a case and you plead for God to take action. And lastly, in Philippians, he also acknowledges the need and the necessity for thankfulness as part of the process. In the episode entitled Death to Pepe, I presented the idea of breathing scripture. You spiritually inhale it through your eyes and your ears and exhale it from your mouth by speaking it. This process being a perpetual process, a daily process, essential for the Christian life. It would appear from Paul's instruction that prayer takes the same level of importance. Pray unceasingly, continually, always are the words that he uses. That's pretty emphatic and all-encompassing. Another foundational idea on prayer that Paul lays out comes in his first letter to Timothy, chapter 2, and for the sake of time, verses 1, 3, and 4. Again, from the Amplified Version. First of all, then, I urge that petitions, or special requests, prayers, intercessions, or prayers for others, and thanksgivings be offered on behalf of all people. Verse 3. This kind of praying is good and acceptable and pleasing in the sight of God, our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and come to the knowledge and recognition of the divine truth. Again, Paul mentions the elements of prayer, petitions, or special requests, and intercessions, which are prayers for other people and for thanksgiving. Grandma Olson is the poster child of this right here. But the key of this passage isn't about praying or not praying. It's about the subject of the prayer. It's about praying, petitioning, interceding, and being thankful for other people. The key phrase in this passage is on behalf of all people. Why? Because God desires all people to be saved. Now, is it wrong to pray for yourself or your situation? No. Jesus taught us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, quote, Give us this day our daily bread, and lead us not into temptation, and deliver us from evil, which holds more of a personal tone than praying specifically for others. 
Even Jesus' own prayer in the garden was a personal one-on-one conversation with God. At the same time, his prayer in John 17 is all about the others, about the disciples. Jesus lives an example of a prayer life that is both focused on self as well as others. He balances them perfectly. So here's a gut-level question for you. And frankly, this is a word for me as much as anyone. I refer to this podcast sometimes as being a peek into my journal. And this is one where it hits me right between the eyes. So when I ask this question, I'm asking it of myself, and I know I need to improve. But if God answered every prayer or petition I have made in the last week for other people, how much would the world have changed? I'm going to repeat that again here. If God answered every prayer or petition that I've made in the last week for other people, how much would the world have changed? At 104 years of age, Grandma Olson passed away. Her funeral was packed with people who had been impacted by her life of prayer. Powerful prayers from a frail elderly lady, a simple lady really, A child of God who knew what it meant to pray. A child of God who knew what it meant to stand in the gap and intercede on behalf of other people. That they would know God. That they would experience God. That they would be changed by God. And that God would keep them safe. At that funeral and ever since, the words of a song by the band White River have continued to ring in my ears. Here are a few of the lyrics to chew on today. Verse 1. Her Bible's old and worn, her sight's nearly gone, but she has kept the word in her heart. Verse 2. Behind secluded walls, the warrior's on her knees, praying for her children in the night. And the course, who's going to take their place when they're gone? Who's going to bless God's children with a song? Who's going to spread the word? You know, we don't have long. Who's going to take their place when they're gone? That was a lasting impression from her funeral. So many people saying the same thing, in essence. Who's going to take her place? Who's going to step up and be a prayer warrior? And so many have stepped up to say, I will. And so I'll leave you with two simple questions. Will you pray unceasingly? And will you spend time focusing your prayers on others? I trust I'm hearing a collective, I will. I'm Nate Vinio, and this has been Something to Gnaw On. Until next week, God bless.